turn to the person on your left and right and say, it's good to see you. <laughs> I'm so glad you are seated beside me. <laughs> <laughs> no, as we were praying for Sandra, she mentioned about her future. So my, my thought came to my the thought came to my mind is to pray for her future husband. <laughs> Sandra, I wish you a future rich young ruler for you. <laughs> okay, we I'm given the topic, uh, the theme that we had. Jesus said what? Huh? Jesus said what? Okay, I pick up my thing first. Not used to the click. Okay, this is the series we are doing. Jesus said what? Okay, so today we will look at the next one. How do I move forward? Okay, Jimmy, you do it for me. <laughs> I, I give you a hint, then you move. Uh, okay. uh, yeah, Jesus answered. So, where do I press here? Okay. Okay. No? Where do we go back to the next one? Number two, the other one? Ah, okay. No. Okay, Jesus answered. Okay. This is the one of the hard sayings of Jesus. Eh? Jesus said what? Eh? And he said, let's read together. If you want, Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, Go, sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come and follow me. Taken from Matthew 19.21. Uh, you, you, you can see that the four Gospels talk about what Jesus said, and what Jesus did, and who Jesus is. Okay? So when you look at these three aspects of Jesus, you have the complete picture of Jesus, what he said, what he did, and who Jesus is. What he said, many found in the Gospel of Matthew. What he did, many in the Gospel of Mark. And who he is, in John, tells you he is divine, deity. In Luke, he is a man, humanity of Jesus. So you have the humanity and the divinity of Jesus Christ. So these three passages, Mark, Matthew, Mark, Leo, talk about the passage we're going to read. Huh? The rich young ruler. Okay? Uh, if you read the Bible carefully, it takes the three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Leo, to get the title called rich young ruler. Okay? By itself, you don't have the word rich young ruler in all the individual Gospels. So, you will find that Matthew says he is young. 
Liu say he is a ruler. Matthew, Mark, Liu say he is rich. So from there you get rich young ruler. I would prefer to call it religious rich young ruler. Religious, because he talked about the laws. Jesus told him about the law. He says, from young, from a boy, I have kept all the laws. So he is a religious, rich, young ruler, an ideal man for a son-in-law. An ideal man for perhaps life partner. So I want us to turn to Matthew 19, 16 to 26. And listen carefully, those are age 20 to 40. Yeah? Those are 20 to 40. Yeah? Uh, I call the men who do that uh, because it's about the rich young ruler. Uh. So men, those who are age 20 to 40, wherever you are, you stand up. If you are between the age 20 to 40, you stand up. And, 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 and those who think you are young, you can stand up. The men. Um, Those, who, those men who think you are young, you stand up. Okay, I want you to read the passage. The passage. I want you to read the verses together. Eh? Okay, read together. Look at the board of same version. Look. Okay, ready, go. What do you Thank you. So these are the rich young people in our midst. Huh? When the Bible records this incident in three different passages or different Gospels, okay, it is very important. The Bible, God, the Holy Spirit is telling you, pay attention to what you just read. Okay? Three, Matthew, Mark, Liu recorded this, and you must know that this is not a parable, not a story. It's a real encounter, a real event that happened, and Jesus has something to speak to that, rich young ruler or religious rich young ruler 
and today He is still speaking to us because the Holy Spirit speaks His words to us all the time. So, as I said earlier, Matthew is a passage that we just read. And if you look at the earlier slide, it says, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. Come, follow me. The word rich is found in Matthew, Mark, Liu, as I said. Matthew has the word young and Liu has the word ruler. Both Mark and Liu record these words, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God. So this is the text, this is the context, and let's pray before I continue. Father, by your Holy Spirit who inspired your word, you write it afresh in our hearts, and that we will not follow the example of this rich young ruler and went away from you, sad and sorrowful. Help us to heed your word as the word is being declared. We ask that by your Spirit, you reveal truths for us to apply. In Jesus' name we pray. Okay, you go back to verse 16. Go back to 19, Matthew 19, 16. And I want you to look carefully at how the writers wrote these words. Verse 16 says, Now a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? No, in, in this version, you just say a man. But in other Bible translations, like the King James or the, the recovery version, he says, Behold, a man came up to Jesus. He has the word behold. Okay, the word behold implies, wow, amazement, wonder. Okay, it's not the norm. Now, to see a man like him, he ran to Jesus and he knelt and he asked Jesus the greatest question. No, the word behold is a very beautiful word. Behold. Now, last, last Sunday, I went up to pray and there I saw something like behold. What did I see? I saw Pastor Joe, his wife and daughter praying. You know, it's a very beautiful thing to see the pastor, his wife, and the daughter praying. And it was wonderful to me. Why? Because when they were praying, the wife put his hand on the husband's hands. What a wonderful thing to behold. I also want to take this opportunity that we should make an attempt to join them in prayer. Because this is not their church. Say, this is not their church. Say, it's our church. And we must join him and others to pray. Okay? Church service begins not at 10.15. Worse still, sometimes it begins at 10.30. You 
No. Tell the person, church service begins early. Uh, I belong to the early day saints. Not the later day saints, huh? No, it's only me, Pastor John, who can dare to stand up and tell you, don't be late. If you don't like me, later on, you give me a slap. But I tell you, lovingly, as a pastor, as a senior pastor, I know how much encouragement you can give to your church pastor when you are praying together, when you come to church early. So tell the person on your left and right, be early yeah, next week. I will see you. Huh? <laughs> no, if you come late because of other reasons, never mind. You know, huh? But if you can come early, don't be late. Okay, go back to the verse, Matthew 19. He asked a question. What must I do? Huh? He asked a question. What good thing must I do to get eternal life. As I said earlier, Luke says he's a ruler. Okay? A ruler. And most probably he's a synagogue ruler. A religious organization. Eh? A ruler. And in those days, if you are a synagogue ruler, usually it's reserved for those who are elderly, older. Huh? So elderly, older. That's why they are called elders. But for him to be a ruler and young, ah, oh, what an um, um, achievement. Huh? What a status he has to be appointed, chosen as a young ruler. And only that he was rich and he was religious. He could quote the Bible. He could remember the Old Testament laws. So we can see that he was outwardly, morally religious and has good virtues and qualities. And in Mark's account, the Bible tells us that he ran towards Jesus and he knelt down. Now, if you are a ruler, if you are a spiritual person like a Pharisee or scribes, you don't run. You walk. You walk. You walk smartly and then you have a entourage of people. You have your followers coming beside you. You walk. You walk. And you get attention from the public. But for this man, he ran and he knelt and he asked Jesus. Respectfully, he asked, good teacher. He called him good teacher. What must I do to get eternal life? So this, this man, in a hurry, he was a desperate seeker for something that troubled him. He was seeking for an answer, which I believe he couldn't get it from his Pharisees, scribes, and his contemporary friends and leaders. He, they couldn't provide him with the answer. They couldn't meet his burning desire in his heart. But he must have heard of Jesus and so he ran to Jesus, humbled himself, knelt down, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to have eternal life? I believe some of you here, you may come to church week after week, 
you are seeking. You are seeking something more. You are seeking. You are not satisfied. You are seeking. You may have come here for the first time. You may come here for a few times. You are seeking. And some of you may think that I'm seeking a good church. But I want you to consider seeking what this man did, eternal life. The greatest thing in life is settle your eternity. Settle your eternity. Yeah? So this man, he came to Jesus. He was seeking for the meaning of life. He was finding his life was empty and he knew that only Jesus could feel his hunger and emptiness. We can say he came to the right teacher. He asked the most important question, the right question. He did the right thing. Now, if you have math problem, eh, you want to find out about how to solve your problems, don't ask John Lee. Eh, you go to who? Pastor Ben. Correct? Uh, so you want to, uh, how to do your computer, all these things, click. Don't ask me. Huh? Ask the people who are behind who know how to operate. Okay? So this man, he came to Jesus because he knew that Jesus could give him the answer. He had heard of, from people the teachings of Jesus, the, the wisdom that Jesus gave, the authority that he did, especially in the Sermon on the Mount. The conclusion was the crowds were amazed and they wondered because he taught, Jesus taught with authority. And then when Jesus cast out demons or this thing, the people were amazed. When he came the storm, they were amazed and said, even the wind and the waves obey him. So he must have heard that Jesus had said wonderful things, did miracles, and even raised the dead. And so he came to Jesus for the solution of his heart. So he had heard of Jesus' reputation, and so he came to Jesus, and the question he asked, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? To him, to be safe, to have eternal life is do, 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 works. What works can I do? We all know that. Eh? All religions tell you do, do. Good works. The Jews seek to be saved through the works of the law. They want to do something to earn their salvation, to find their salvation by works. Okay, so it's what they do, but we know religions do. Christianity is done. Done for you. Done for you. So two words describe Christianity and the rest of the world. Done do. Okay? First come to Jesus for what he had done on the cross, when he died on the cross, shed his blood to wash away our sins. On the cross, he defeated Satan. He conquered sin. He, the Bible tells us, by his stripes, we are healed. He healed all our diseases. So when we come to Jesus for salvation, we also come to him for healing of all diseases. And we come to him knowing that we have authority to rebuke Satan and the spirits that trouble us. So Jesus is indeed the answer. You know, the Bible describes what Christ has done for us. 
We call it the gospel. The gospel. And Paul summarized the gospels in these ways. Eh? He says here, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Simple, short, and straightforward. Okay? Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, fulfilling all the scriptures. He was buried. He really died, that's why he was buried. He was raised on the third day. We believe in a resurrected living Savior. So we are telling people about who Jesus is. He is alive. That's why we tell him, alive. Jesus is alive. That is the good news. We don't ask you to follow a guru or leader of someone who is dead and buried, like some religions of the world. They say the bones are still in Mecca, huh? or the bones are still buried in the tomb in China or somewhere. Okay? We follow one who rose from the dead, and we have the story of the empty tomb. The tomb was empty, not for Jesus to come out. The tomb was empty for the disciples to go in and certify that Jesus is alive. We did that during Christmas, uh, during Easter, Good Friday, and Easter Sunday. Before I go further, I want you to look at what Jesus says. He says, why do you call me good? No one is good except one, God. Now, this is a very profound statement. We all use the word good loosely and without understanding. Sometimes we, we tell uh, our friends, hey, my son is very good. My grandchildren, very good. Huh? Uh, every time my wife and I look after the grandchildren, we have to give a report. And we will tell the parents, yeah, yeah, today is very good. <laughs> or Eden today is very well, behaved, very good. No, no, no. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus is not using the word good in what I just described. Okay, so when, when Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good except one, God. Okay, it means what? Seated you here, including me, I am no good. Paul says that in Romans 7, I am no good. No good thing dwells in me, Paul says that. Huh? So tell, tell the person on your left and right, I am no good. Huh? And also say what? You too, no good. Huh? I'm no good, you too, no good. Correct? So we, we are very, very diplomatic and try to be courteous and nice, and we will never tell people you are no good. You will never tell your son or whoever you are no good. Actually, based on the teaching here, no one is good means what? You cannot call anyone good except God. Because if you say someone is good, you're lying. Either Jesus is lying or you're lying. So what should we do? You should say you are bad. The other person, you're not so bad. <laughs> or you can say you're bad, I'm worse. And he is the worst. Correct? 
You see, the Apostle Paul called himself what? Of all sinners, I am the chief sinner. I am the worst sinner. That is a correct way of describing yourself. Of all people in the world who are sinners, Paul says what? I'm the chief. I'm the chief. I'm the greatest sinner. So sometimes we want to hold on to a position. Let's humble ourselves and say, I'm the chief sinner. I'm the worst sinner. I'm very, very, very bad. See, there are many people who don't want to believe in Jesus Christ because they think they are good. I'm good, no? I'm a lawyer. I'm a PhD holder. I am a whatever, you name it. I have property. I have things. I have many followers. I'm a politician. I'm MP. I'm prime minister. I'm a king. In God's sight, in the sight of Jesus, no one is good. They're all bad. And so the question is, we have degree of badness. So when we say this verse, Jesus says this verse, no one is good except God. We want to look at the word good in the Greek word. The word good in the Greek word is akatos, as adjective, akaton as a noun. It's like you use the word, God is love. God is spirit. God is light. So when we use the word God is love, it means what? The nature, the essence, the very being of God is love. So likewise, God is good. It means what? The very being, nature, the very essence of God, He is good. Because He is so good, God does good things. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. We sing the song, right? Only God is good. And when you and I have believed and trusted in Jesus, Jesus, God, come into your life. The good God, the goodness of God, the good nature of God flow out of your life so that you and I can be like Jesus and do good things and be a good, holy, righteous person. So tell the person, is God in you? Tell, I have God in me. So I have goodness in me. I can produce goodness out of me. Huh? So in that sense, you can use the word good. I want you to know that the Bible, both in the Old and New Testament, tells us that we are no good. It's not the only Jesus says that. Huh? Both Old and New Testament, two means what? Testimony. Two witnesses to testify what Jesus said is correct. Eh? In Psalm 14, it says, There is no one who does good. There is no one who does good, not even one. And then in Romans 3, There is no one righteous. No, not one. There is no one who understands. No one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have all together become worthless. There is no one who does good. So with that, quotations and statements from Old and New Testament, we must be clear. Don't call anyone good, especially if you talk to pre-believers. Of course, you have to be tactful. Huh? You don't tell the person, you're no good. Don't say that. 
Huh? You can say, we're all sinners. We're all bad. I'm a sinner. You think I'm a Christian? Yeah, I tell you, I'm also a bad person. That's why I can get into what? Outburst, anger. I can sin. I can lie. I can steal. I can do something that is not right, not good. Huh? But by the grace of God, I, I told you before, correct? I sin less. Not sinners, uh, I sin less than you. Uh, if you are a sinner, you have nothing but sin, 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 and your destiny is hell. Hell. Okay? Sinners go to hell because they refuse to confess their sins for the one who died for our sins, according to Romans 1 Corinthians 15. So I, I prefer to, uh, for us to address ourselves, eh? we are bad. And I need mercy. I need the mercy of God to change, to transform me. By nature, I'm bad. That's why with that understanding, you can understand why sometimes pastors commit adultery. Sometimes pastors combat, uh, commit Corruption. That's why so-called religious leaders, Catholic priests or whoever, huh, can do far sins and crimes. Why? Because there is that degree of badness in them that is not dealt with. We can cover up, sugarcoat it with something that is so-called religiously, openly, obviously looks so good but it's a camouflage. Okay? So once we were sinners, but now we are saved by grace and we have the Holy Spirit in us to obey His words, to do what is good. So when Jesus told him, no one is good except God, then Jesus quoted the commandments. Look carefully here. He said, what must I do? Okay? And then Jesus told him, do not murder, in verse 18, eh? do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimonies, honour your father and mother, and love your neighbour as yourselves. It seems that Jesus only listed partial, partial laws only, eh? because the Ten Commandments talk about the God's part, you shall have no other God before me. You shall not take God's name in vain. You shall not make idols, whatever. And then remember the Sabbath. And then here he left out the ten commandment, the ten one. You shall not covet. And then he put the honor of your father mother reverse order. He put the murder first should be the father mother one honor, the fifth, then the sixth, the seventh, the eighth, the ninth, the ten. Well, I don't want to be very. Uh, what I call fussy about the order of it. But what I can see from here is that this man, this religious rich young ruler, he had two things that control him. Two things held him, gripped him tightly. One, he was gripped, he was held by pride. Oh, I did all these things, you know, I kept, oh, I kept, kept pride. Pride. Huh? 
very proud. Huh? I kept all these things from young. The next thing was what? He was held by possessions. He has wealth. He has riches. He hid under the power of gold. Huh? He hid under the power of money. So pride and possessions enslaved him. And when he quoted all the laws, Jesus quoted all the laws to him, he said, all I kept, you notice that he dare have the cheek to say, I kept them. He dare to say that. He shows what? No wonder he was called a young ruler. He was young. Means what? Immature. Young means what? He has lack of maturity and experience and he lacked depth in what he says. Okay? If he live long enough, if he ponder long about life, if he examine his hearts, he will know that, hey, have I ever got angry? Surely he got angry. Right? Correct? So if he got angry, according to Matthew 5, Jesus said, you murder really. Okay? So he said, I never commit adultery. Jesus told him, sure, I'm sure he watched the TV and pornographic pictures from the CNN or Channel News Asia or from Netflix. Right? He had done that from his what? sinful desires through his eye gate and then I believe huh, he has said words that hurt people. Because James says, if you didn't offend anyone with your tongue, you're a perfect man. I'm sure he has offended people. So surely this man, this rich young ruler, religious young ruler, he failed. He failed all this. And, and he put riches as his idol. And so when he go to the temple, when he go to the synagogue and worship, he was a hypocrite. Surely, he cannot keep the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. He has wealth, riches, possession, property, all before his eyes. And he held close, tightly, to all these earthly goods. So, from here, you can see that he turned the gold into his god. Okay? He ignored what Jesus once said. You said, no man can serve God and money. And no one can serve both God and mammon. Because both money and God demand what? Absolute loyalty. 100% allegiance. Both want your total, your total self, your total being. Total means what? All. All. Everything you have, not yours. So when you go home, you see many things in your house, and you tell yourself, you know, these are all what? Idols. Your TV is an idol. Your most expensive drawing is an idol. These are idols. If you are obsessed by external op- things, attractive things, whatever you see, you think these are very good, very expensive, very important to you? Jesus says, Am I, God, more important than all this? And if we declare that God is our number one, 
preeminent importance. Then how come I, I, I don't read the Bible? I don't, I don't, I don't uh, spend time with God. No, this morning my daughter was telling me, she, she told me, uh, Sienna thinks of buying grandpa uh, a present. Uh, she said, what to buy for grandpa? So she told Joanne, I think I will buy him a Bible. Then the reason she said, why buy grandpa a Bible? Because I always see him reading the Bible. Oh, that's good. Very thoughtful, right? <laughs> uh, that book is very precious. If my children or my grandchildren give me a Bible, I will read it. But it doesn't mean I'm not reading it. I will read the one that they give to me and I will read it. Why? Because they give me something that is everlasting. They give me something which uh, Jesus says that uh, heaven and earth will pass away, but not my words will pass away. My words won't pass away. So if you give me a Bible, I read. So far, few people who gave me a Bible, I read them. I don't just keep it and put a shelf, put it on a shelf. I read any Bible that you give me because I accept it as from God for my soul. Okay? So when you go back, you see all your things, you're listening, I recommend that you take out a Bible huh, and put near the TV. Huh? So each time you want to press the remote and watch TV, the Bible says, hey, you didn't read me yet. <laughs> huh? And I don't recommend you to use a handphone, the Bible, to, to, to replace a written copy. I am old-fashioned. I still believe in written copy. Okay? So the Bible. Huh? So, we go back to this question. Jesus says, Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor. Now, if you look at this... Uh, Okay. Go sell your possessions and give to the poor. Uh, I put two names there to tell you that there are people in church history who literally did that. A doable can be done. Huh? One is Saint Anthony of Egypt, and the other one is, is Saint Anthony. The other one is Saint Francis of Assisi. They did it. It can be done. Before I go f- to explaining their lives, you remember the story of the widow's mite? She gave two mites, and Jesus says what? She gave all. Oh, eh? Her grieving is greatest because she has nothing left. We can put a million, ten million, any amount, we still have some more in our bank account. Okay? But the widow's might, she gave all and had nothing to leave. And then in Acts 4, Acts 5, the Bible tells us that early church, they sold their land, their property, and with the sales proceeds, they put it in the apostles' feet for giving to the poor. They did that. The early church did give they are all. They didn't give sacrificially for the kingdom of God. Okay? We can do that. Why? Because Jesus will never tell the rich young ruler, do something that cannot be done. Okay? 
Okay, so Jesus told him, go, sell all your possessions and give to the poor, come, then follow me. That was the verse that St. Anthony heard when he was about 20 years old. When he heard that, St. Anthony inherited the wealth and riches from his father. Okay, he, he got all the wealth that he had, and then what he did was, he gave all away, except some for his sister, to, for her upkeep. And he had nothing. And he went into the jungle, and he went there to what? Pray and fast. Pray and fast. He devoted his life in prayer and fasting. And he lived a very sacrificial life. He lived like a hermit. And because of his prayer and fasting, many people that were in the jungle with him, they saw how he lived. And the people who were sick, he prayed for them. They were healed. They were healed. Huh? And so, people from the city came inside the, the jungle to look for him. They brought the sick to see him in the jungle and he prayed for them. They were healed. The king of Egypt heard about that, invited him to come out. He said, you leave your jungle, you come to the city, you come to the palace, you come to the main places, do your work. He said, no. He'd rather stay in the jungle and live by prayer and fasting and eat from the produce of the plants, the land, whatever he can find. That was St. Anthony who became the famous Egyptian monk who obeyed Jesus' words literally. Yeah? Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor. The other person is St. Francis of Assisi. He came from a very rich family and it was about 20 years or so. So one day, a beggar and a leper came to him, asked for alms. Okay? And St. Francis sue him away. Sue him away. He said, get lost. Don't come near me, a leper. Get lost. But when he said that, Something pricked his conscience. It's like God gave a tuck, pricked his conscience. So he ran after the leper and caught hold of him, hugged him, kissed him, and looked at his face. And he said, When I caught him, kissed him, and looked at his face, I saw the face of Jesus. Through that experience, St. Francis of Assisi gave up his wealth for the poor, care for the poor, and live a life of prayer, fasting. Now, I tell you or share with you these two stories, eh? not to tell you you do like them, no, no, I'm not saying that. Eh? But I'm telling you that their lifestyles, their examples to inspire you and me to do a bit more, to do something, to give away something that we can sacrifice, the spirit of sacrifice in our giving, to bless, to bless the poor. 
So if Jesus told the religious rich young ruler these words, what would be your response? He got the answer from Jesus. He got the right answer from the greatest teacher. But the Bible tells us he walked away sad and sorrowful. Earlier, he ran. He, he knelt. He was in a hurry to come to Jesus. But when Jesus gave an answer, one Bible person said he was downcast. Not only him. Jesus felt sorry for him. So those who came to Jesus and rejected him, not only the person feels sad, sorrowful, but Jesus felt sad. It was grief that they rejected the ultimate greatest treasure. Okay? So I want you to consider this one of the verses that says, and you will have treasures in heaven. Okay? So what, what is treasure in heaven? I want you to think carefully, yeah? So when we follow and believe in Jesus and serve Him faithfully, when we one day meet Jesus, uh, treasure in heaven is not, wow, we ought to go pile up for you. you know. You go to stay in the mansion there, all your gold are surrounded. No, 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 no. It's not that. It's not literally gold. Precious gems. No, I don't think it's like that. The greatest treasure is Jesus. Jesus. Jesus must be your greatest treasure, not only in future, but right now. Right now. Do you really love Jesus as your greatest treasure and you're living with Jesus as your daily living treasure than anything? Okay? Is Jesus your highest delight, supreme delight? Is Jesus your utmost for life and in life? We must differentiate between gifts and giver. All the gifts we have cannot equal to the giver. Okay? We must differentiate between gold and God, blessings and blesser, earthly or eternal. Is Jesus all the world to you and me? Is Jesus really enough? One day we will face Jesus at our day of departure or I do not know, rapture. We call it rapture. One day it will happen. I always remind myself, you know, I'm not in charge. I'm not in control. One is a daily thing that reminds me. The second is whenever I fly. When I go back to Singapore, when I go back to from Singapore to Sydney, whenever I fly, at one time, I was so uh, serious that I wrote my will. Huh? Every time I fly, I wrote my will and put it somewhere and I would WhatsApp my children and this is the will. You know? Anything happened to daddy and mommy, read the will. Until I became paranoid, you know, wow, I don't go like that. Very, very fearful and pleasant, right? Then I, I began to overcome that by saying, Lord, I trust you. I really committed everything to you. I don't have to, every time I go, write a will and remind the children where to find the document, where to find my safe deposit box key. No need. Because every day I trust him. Okay? 
The, the next thing that reminds me that I have to trust God all the time is what? When I sleep. Tell the person, do you sleep? You sleep, eh? So, when you sleep, you sleep for maybe six to eight hours. When you sleep for six to eight hours, who is in charge? God. God doesn't need you to be in charge of everything. Okay? You don't sleep for six to eight hours and whole day think, oh, wow, 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 wow. Then you can't sleep. You have what? Insomnia. So every day when you and I sleep, it's a reminder that I rest and commit everything to God. And when I wake up, I thank God for resurrection life. You know, in my journal, I always put this thing in my journal, no? When I get up, I use the word, arise. Resurrection, I arise. Today, I arise at 6 a.m. Arise, huh? When I sleep, I write the word, rest. I rest in my spirit, soul, body, in God's hand. So every day, every time I rest, and next morning I arise and I thank God. And I sleep so well. Wow, so fresh. Okay, so that's how I live. So we give excuses and say to ourselves, I'm not rich, what? I'm not rich, what? I'm not rich, so this sermon is not for me. Let me read this thing that you think about it. If there is food in your fridge, if you have shoes and clothes and have bed and roof over your head, you are richer than 75% of the people in the world. You have a? Okay. If you have a bank account, money in your wallet, and some coins in your Coin box, it belongs to the 8% of the people in the world who are well-to-do. Okay? So tell the person on the left and right, you are rich. I am rich. I am rich. Okay? You are rich, I am rich. Ah, we are rich. Okay, now application. If you say you believe that you are rich, let's do something with our riches. Not our riches, his riches. Okay, I recommend you to do something. Write a check perhaps or TT some money for some welfare groups. Salvation Army, St. Vincent or whatever you think of. Okay? Or it can be to a person who is in need. Why don't you send him some gift? Okay? It can, it can be done, correct? He ask God to guide you who to give, where to give. Eh? Don't just listen to Pastor John and just do it. You tell God to guide you by His Holy Spirit. The next thing that's very practical is what? The homeless. You know, sometimes I walk in the city, I walk by, I see the homeless, they sleep with boxes. I ask myself, how come they're homeless? What can I do? Huh? Besides praying for them, what can I do? Huh? Maybe sometimes God let you see the homeless. Why don't you go near, talk to him, ask him, how are you? Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? If he's thirsty, hungry, why don't you just walk a few doors away and go to the supermarket or place, 7-Eleven, buy him something, drink, food, 
and give to the homeless man. And talk to him, pray over him. You speak a word to such a man is doing, living what Jesus did and was before. Now, I'll tell you an incident that happened when my wife and I, we went for a brief holiday and we ordered some fish and calamari and all these things. We ordered, no? So we, the picture show us, so we look at the picture and order. And when we ordered, wow, it was so much, you know, it can fit four people to six people, you know. Then we tell ourselves, Lord, forgive us. We can't finish the food. We can't finish the food. What a waste. Okay? And so we, we store ourselves, we eat fish, the chips we don't eat, and we throw them away. And then there's one fish very big. I said, why don't we wrap it up? And we wanted to bring home and eat. But as we were walking by to the place where we parked our car, I saw one man at the side there. He was homeless, even cold. Then I walked, I told my wife, hey, I met a homeless guy. Where? Then she quickly said, why don't we give the fish to him? Huh? So I walked back. I said, Uncle, do you mind? I asked him, do you mind I give you some fish burger? He looked at me. Sure. He was smiling. Sure. So he took it. I told him, you must eat now. It's warm. You don't wait for a while. Eat now. So he took and eat it. So my wife, my wife and I walked back. Hallelujah. Lord, our conscience is a bit better. Is our conscience a bit? Okay. So the story of this rich young ruler is the story of ourselves. If you have not found Christ, if you come to Him, He will tell you, sell all these things that hinder you from knowing Me. These are the obstacles that hinder you and put that aside and let Jesus come into your life to be your greatest joy, greatest satisfaction and the one you can trust here and hereafter. Let us pray. I believe God has spoken. I'll give you a minute to reflect. Every message we receive and heard, God says to you, you are accountable. We are accountable. Okay? We have to give an account to God what we have heard, what we will do, and what we will not do. And I pray, and I pray, that if you have not done what needs to be done to care for people who are less fortunate than us, people who are needy, people who are in need, if you can do it within our means, don't delay. Okay? Sometimes you can plan as a small group to do something for the poor, for the homeless, for others. Not just for Nobi Home. It's good that we go to Nobi once in two months, but personally, I feel that we can do more. Okay? You don't have to let the church organize that you go to Nobi Home. Why don't we do it ourselves 
can go to Nobi Home and spend time with the senior citizens who are 75 to 100 years old. Hear their stories, feel their pain, bless them by your presence, by whatever you can give them as the Lord speaks to you. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a good, good Father. And Jesus, you are a good, good Shepherd. We thank you, Holy Spirit, you are the good Spirit. May the Holy Spirit fill our hearts and lives and take control of our spirit, soul and body. And may He produce the goodness, the overflow of your life into our relationships beginning in our home, our Jerusalem, our Judea, and to the ends of the world. Thank you that we are alive. Thank you we are rich. Thank you we are blessed. We ask that none of us will grip all these riches, but release them as we have freely received from you, we freely release unto you for others. We pray for those who are seeking for the truth, that they may realize that in themselves, by themselves, we are bad, we are sinners. We need your grace and the blood of Christ to wash away our sins by confessing, be merciful to me, a sinner. So Lord Jesus, hold our hands and we walk with you all the days of our life. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, thank you very much, Pastor John. Thanks, Brett. Um, if you don't mind, I'll just invite the prayer team up.